follower of Jesus? When was the last time you just stopped in the midst of life and said, God, thank you, and I am not condemned? Because I think what goes on is we get so used to being forgiven that we forget how much we needed to be forgiven of. That's what happens when the people of God, when they start losing their way, they become puffed up, maybe a little bit arrogant, judgmental of people. You forget how much you've been forgiven of. Jesus took on the sin that plagues every person, you included, and endured the punishment you deserve when he died on the cross. Pastor Daniel will share today that he did this out of love for you, to give you the chance to be righteous in God's eyes. When was the last time you really let that reality sink in? It's easy as a believer to live forgiven, but forget why you needed it in the first place. Remember today why Jesus saved you and let it soften your heart. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 8 as he begins his message, Life and Peace. Jesus is So I think I'm like everybody. There's nothing that displeases me more than when something is over-promised and under-delivered. Isn't it true? Like when something gets super, super hyped up, but it actually doesn't follow through. A couple of more recent examples of this, of course, is this mega snowstorm we were going to have. I mean, it was hyped up. I remember, you know, my bride, Lynn, she's like opening up the weather app on her phone and it's this like snowflakes every day. She's like, it's going to snow for a week. I'm like, well, we better go buy out all the Twinkies in Clark County, Washington. If we're going to be locked in, we might as well hunker down with some Twinkies. And even if the power goes out, the Twinkies will taste just the same. They don't freeze. It's all good, you know? And so and it was amazing. I mean, if you went to the store over the last number of days, man, it was a madhouse. It was like Black Friday all over again. There was no eggs. You couldn't get anything. But then sure enough, the moment comes and it doesn't actually follow through. Or the Super Bowl which was maybe hands down the most boring game I've ever watched in my entire life, right? Now, I mean, listen, the fact that they were there, you know, and those teams were there was amazing, but it was like, man, I mean, you could have just skipped the whole thing and watched the last seven minutes on two and a half times. It would have been just as good, right? I mean, even this year, the commercials weren't even good, right? It was such a bummer. Or maybe those of you who've been around for a while, how many of you remember the oversold, under-delivered Y2K? Oh, yeah, man. It was like it was going to be the end of the world. I mean, some of you are still eating spam from Y2K. You know, you stocked up on spam. I mean, and listen, don't get me wrong. Spam like Twinkies, it never goes bad. So you're going to be fine. But I remember, man, it was like a big thing. It was like, man, what's going to happen? Is every computer going to crash? I remember at that time, I was still playing music as a, a career. And I remember we had a gig on that day. And it was funny because we were playing like, a, you know, electric music. But I, we, we also played, I have an upright bass. And the guy was a piano player. And so we actually had like acoustic instruments just in case all the power went out, you know. And I remember we did like the whole countdown. We were playing the music, the countdown. And then right as it hit, you know, midnight, we stopped for a second. It's like, 
Oh, all the electricity works. Let's keep going. Right? But everyone built that thing up. It was going to be such a big thing. Y2K was going to be a real serious thing. But in the end of the day, it was just another day. Now, I bring this up because, of course, we are studying the book of Romans together. We've been studying it now for a while. Right? And here's what I want to tell you. The one person who never overpromises and underdelivers is Jesus. You know, and that reality, because people promise lots of things, but Jesus never overpromises and underdelivers. And actually, words don't even do the half of what Jesus offers. See, we've been studying all the way through the book of Romans, and it's been some pretty, you know, heavy sledding through some of it, hasn't it? It's deep stuff. It's not simple. The Apostle Paul is unpacking arguments about humanity. Who is humans? What's going on with humanity? Who is God? What's going on with God? And then we land starting now in great Romans chapter 8. So go ahead, open up your Bibles. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be taking verses 1 to 8. Romans 8 verses 1 to 8 today. And Romans chapter 8 is where Paul brings it all together and focuses on how amazing life is in Christ. How amazing it is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And what does it mean? What does it mean for us? And so we're going to kind of slow our study down to take Romans 8 a little bit slower than we've been taking it because there's so much in these verses. We'll notice that as we begin in Romans 8 verse 1, it begins with no condemnation. And by the time you get to the end of Romans chapter 8, there's no separation from Christ. And in the middle of it, we're going to learn that there's no defeat for those in Christ. And that's, you don't want to talk about something that's powerful. Those three realities in just some 36 verses or whatever it is. So I'm excited to study this together with you. So look what it says. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Quite simply, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so Romans 8 begins with something so simple that you are not condemned. You are not condemned. For the person who is in Christ, because notice it doesn't say everybody is not condemned. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So for the person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, for the person who can acknowledge that we have been less than an ideal version of ourselves, for the person who can agree with God's law, that God's law is right, but we aren't right. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, there's no condemnation. And what that means is no matter what you've done. Now think about what condemnation means. Condemnation, the word literally means punishment. When somebody is standing before a judge and they are found guilty, then they are condemned for that crime and the judge levies the punishment. And what is amazing is that the finished work of Jesus is so profound that no matter what someone's background is, that if they place their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, then they will not be condemned. Now, I realize that in 
the 21st century, that's really offensive to most people. They're like, so you're telling me that you can live your whole life and the worst person, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you will be saved? And the answer is, is absolutely. And guess what? Even though that's offensive, the people who are offended by it, they need to be saved too. That's what's so unique about this. It's like, there's not a person who can stand there and say, I have gotten everything right the whole time. I mean, isn't that what our culture is learning right now? In every turn of our culture, and listen, a lot of the stuff that's going on in our culture, it's not bad. There are much needed course corrections for a culture that hasn't gotten everything right. So a lot of these things are good. Like people should not ever make fun of people because of their ethnicity, ever. People should, there should not be wage discrimination between men and women. People in power should not use that power to be self-centered as it relates to people who are under them. I mean, all of these things are like, all people had to do is read their Bibles. And this is in every single page of your Bible. Right? And, but what's amazing is, is that with each step that we take, we all realize that everyone is flawed. That's why the whole thing about trying to find a perfect celebrity, trying to find a perfect pastor, trying to find a perfect anyone is impossible. Because guess what? Nobody is. If you dig deep enough and hard enough into any of our lives, guess what? Nobody wants to be in the public eye anymore. Could you imagine if somebody went back and they looked at the entire history of internet searches that you've done? Could you imagine the case they could make for the kind of person you are? <laughs> Right? Everything you ever said, everything you ever did, you talk to everyone you ever do, and don't miss the fact that when they go talk to people in your past, some people remember you maybe a little differently than you actually were. Right? And so really what you have is that the Bible teaches unequivocally that everybody is flawed except for Jesus. And that is why Jesus came. And that is why Jesus lived the perfect life. And that is why Jesus died on the cross. And for the person who believes in the perfected, finished work of Jesus, that person is not condemned. Because God condemned Jesus in our place. Now, right here at the outset of the message, here's the thing. There are some of us right now who you're saying... That might be true for everyone else, not me. And I'm here to tell you, listen, if, you, if that's you right now, that's a total lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie to keep you condemned by the one person who wants to see everyone condemned, and that is the enemy of your souls. He wants to keep you locked up. He wants to keep you bearing the weight and the shame of all that guilt. But listen, look at it. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your pen. I want you to circle that. Circle it. There's no condemnation. Now, again, as we always say here, if you don't like, if you think it's unspiritual to write in your Bible, then circle it in your neighbors. Because that is either true or that is a lie. Right there. That's either true or a lie. And I mean to tell you, when it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that thing. I'm going to drive it like I stole it. I'm taking that thing to the bank. I'm living my life on that. That I should have been condemned. I deserve condemnation. I've done more than enough things wrong. But Jesus stood in my place. And because he stood in my place, no condemnation. There's never, there's no, he, God does not, the reason our government has a no double jeopardy rule is because they got that from the Bible too. God gave Jesus the punishment that you and I deserved. But listen, there's no condemnation for those 
who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. You can write that down. It's a great support verse for this. That God made Jesus, who knew no sin, who never failed, to become sin for us, that we who had failed, had sinned, would become the righteousness of God in Christ. I like to call this the great switcheroo. Super deep, right? It's like, Jesus is perfect, I am not. God made Jesus, gave Jesus my sin, and condemned it on the cross, but because Jesus never sinned, death couldn't hold him, and when Jesus rose from the dead, then Jesus gave me his righteousness. I mean, isn't that the the worst trade for God and the best trade for me. Now, I say that tongue firmly implanted in my cheek because it was God's best trade. It shows God's infinite glory, God's total perfection, how amazing and good God is. But if you were to weigh that thing on the scales as like a general manager, God's awful at it. He took the perfect guy, made him fully sin, and took all the sinners and made him perfect. What? But that's the good news of the gospel, my friends. Now here, if you're already a follower of Jesus, when was the last time you just stopped in the midst of life and said, God, thank you that I am not condemned? Because I think what goes on is we get so used to being forgiven that we forget how much we needed to be forgiven of. That's what happens when the people of God, when they start losing their way, they become puffed up, maybe a little bit arrogant, judgmental of people. You forget how much you've been forgiven of. As I always love the example, I read it from the great Puritan preacher John Newton, who said, the problem with Christians who are judgmental, it's like blind Bartimaeus going around and judging everyone who was blind. But the only reason Bartimaeus could see is because Jesus healed him. There's no condemnation. Because of Jesus, you're not condemned. You are free from that hanging over your head. Now, what's interesting is in verse one, some of your translations have who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And some of your translations do not have that. Now, I wanted to bring that up because oftentimes people are like, well, my version has it, your doesn't, or whatever. Really what it is, is some, in some of the manuscripts, it's in there, and some of them it's not. But the same exact line comes at the end of verse 4. So some people feel that it got kind of pushed into verse 1, and some people say, and so either way, it's in, it's in it, so we're fine. But look what it says going forward. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, this is Romans 8, 2, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now I would say it to you this way, really what this is, this is an encouragement for us to walk in the spirit. 
right? Because you, you get it in my translation at the end of verse 1 and then at the end of verse 4. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so what this means is that for each one of us, there's really two different ways you can walk. Now, when you think about the way that you walk, this doesn't mean like, well, listen, I walk robotic style, so I walk this way, or I walk with a little swagger, you know, I get my little thing going on, you know, or, or whatever it is. The idea is it's the principles by which we live our lives, right? If you've been studying the book of Leviticus with us, and we're reading through it as a church, with all the consecrating of the priests, right? The blood of the offering gets placed on their right ear, their right thumb, and their right big toe. Super weird, amen. Now, the reason that is, is because the idea was that God wants to set apart the totality of who you are, what you hear, what your hands do, where your feet go. Now, you may say, well, why the right hand? Because 90% of the population is right-handed. So it's the, it meant the hand of strength. When Jesus says that God's right hand, it means he says that God's hand of strength. Now, for those of you who are left-handed, you're God's special people and God loves you too, right? It's not, it's not, you're not deficient, but it's like when the, when the majority of people are one side, it has a connotation to it. Does that make sense? So for those of you who are left-handed, you could say Jesus sits at God's left hand. It would mean the same thing. Because that's your hand of strength. Your more dominant hand. Now, I bring all this up because the idea of how we walk speaks of the principles by which the thing that drives who we are. And really what we learn here is that you and I get to walk in the spirit because of what Jesus has done. This is not us divorced from Jesus. This is what it means for us to be in Jesus. Look at what it says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that a mouthful? But listen, but the law of God's spirit that leads to life that is found in Christ Jesus. What's amazing is, if you read the book of Romans, this is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is only the second time the Holy Spirit is referenced in the book of Romans. You get once in Romans 5. Now you get it here. But you're going to see the spirit come up 18 times in this chapter. Why? Because the finished work of Jesus leads to you and I being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit cultivates the resurrected life of Jesus in us. So this, even this phrase, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that this person, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, this is the driving principle of your life right now. And I love it. It's the spirit of life in Christ. Not just life here, but the resurrected life. The life that conquers sin, conquers shame, conquers death. A life that is eternal, not only temporal. When we think of life, we think of life here. But the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is about life here and beyond. Eternal life. And it says that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free of the law of sin and death. Now, how can that be possible? Look at what it says in verse 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. Now, if you've been studying with us Romans 4, 5, 6, and 7, Paul is culminating all that teaching right here. Look what it says. The law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. What's the law's fault? The law's problem is humans. The perfect law, imperfect humans. But the law, the law couldn't save somebody because all of our flesh is weak. Right? The flesh, not the skin, but the rebellious nature against God. It's weak. 
right? So the law is perfect. We're weak. So the law couldn't do it. And it was weak to us. So God did what? God did it, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So I love this. He said he didn't send his son in sinful flesh, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. He's saying that Jesus came with the same human nature that we had without the prevailing sin nature that causes rebellion against God. As we always say, when you read uh, the gospel of Luke, when it shows the birth of Jesus, the, what we would call, you know, the Holy Spirit coming you know, overshadowing Mary. The Holy Spirit brings the divinity and Mary brings the humanity. Mary was the mother of Jesus's humanity, not his God-likeness, right? That's where the, the mistakes within the church comes on who Mary is. Mary was the mother of Jesus's humanity and blessed indeed, but not someone to be elevated to someone we pray to because Jesus never prayed to her. Jesus said, come to me. The veil is torn. You don't have to go through anybody else when you got Jesus, right? But God sent Jesus in the same likeness as the rest of humanity, right? And he did it on account for sin. That's why Jesus came. Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus did amazing miracles. But the main reason he came was on account for sin. Jesus came on a rescue mission for you and I. And it says... God, he condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law, this is verse four, might be fulfilled in who? In us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, really what's going on now is because the spirit of God dwells in us, now all of a sudden we live out the righteous requirements of the law, which are fulfilled in the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And know what's so beautiful about this? That ability, what I like to call upward, inward, and outward, right? It all comes from the work of the Spirit because we put our faith and trust in My only ability to love God with all that I am, my only ability to see myself with a healthy biblical self-love through the lens of the cross, and my only ability to love people who are as fallen as I am is because of the Spirit of God who dwells in me. It's not something that you and I can generate of ourselves. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many plans and camps you put yourself in, no matter how many retreats you go to and how many books you read, if it does not happen by the work of the Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus, we're going to try in vain. We have to walk in the Spirit. Now listen to what Paul says, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit... And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit. You are not under the law. Now. By way of application. The Bible pretty much says that you walk in one of two ways. You either walk in the flesh or you walk in the spirit. That's what it says. You know, and listen, I realize that lots of things in life are gray, but everything is in gray. Right? Lots of things are, there's a lot of gray areas in life, but not everything is. And the Bible is pretty clear that you're either a saint or you ain't. Jesus is 
Are you walking in the Spirit? Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you then need to change how you interact with the world around you. You're no longer condemned because of your sins, but you should no longer participate in them either. Instead, let the Holy Spirit take root in your soul and spend time transforming you, giving you a compassionate heart toward others. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that there's really only two ways to live this life, by your standards or by God's. When you seek to satisfy your personal desires in the things of the world, you'll find it leaves you feeling empty. The Bible tells you this leads to death. Seek instead to follow the Spirit's guidance. And find your satisfaction in the life and peace only He can provide. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Secret Sauce. Until then, may God bless. <laughs>